The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall be utterly <clears throat> I mean, cast down. He will not be destroyed. <clears throat> you know, Paul felt cast down, <clears throat> I believe, or he never would have penned that scripture in the Corinthian letter. <clears throat> Persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. <clears throat> but the remedy for that is to do what Psalms 42 tells us to do. Uh, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God. For I will yet praise him for the help of his countenance. <laughs> so it's good when the Lord has his countenance smiling upon us. And, <clears throat> and of course, he does that in obedience. And the only time he ever <clears throat> hides his face from us is because of sin. As he tells us there in the book of Isaiah 59. For he says, your sins have separated between you and your God so that he will not hear. That is what separated us and necessitated the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because men were separated from God because of sin. <clears throat> and uh, only he could come and breach that gap of separation. Even though he uh, instituted the law back in the Old Testament, which was to point us to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the whole theme of the Old Testament was the Lamb is coming, the Lamb is coming, the Lamb is coming. And finally, the Lamb got here. And John pointed him out in the first chapter of John. And if any man had a opportunity to take glory for himself, it'd probably been John. <clears throat> but he confessed and denied that he was a Christ. But he did point the people to the one who was a Christ. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. <clears throat> so sin needed to be taken away. <clears throat> And uh, the blood of bulls and goats and animals could not take away sin. Uh, but this man, now who is this man? That God-man was Jesus Christ. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. We read there in the ninth chapter of Hebrews, and uh, verse 13 and 14, for he said, If the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more? You see how much better it is? How much more shall the blood of Christ... Offered himself without spot, the sinless Lamb of God, holy, harmless, separate, undefiled, separate from sinners. Uh, offered himself without spot to God. He didn't offer himself to the sinner, but he offered himself to God for the sinner. Uh, uh, as he tells us in the book of Romans chapter 8, about verse 3, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. Sin is what would have condemned us to hell 
and separation from God. And the reason why we aren't condemned is because Jesus was condemned in your room instead. He was the innocent one and we are the guilty, as he tells us in uh, 1 Peter 3.18, I believe. For he says, For Christ hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So, let me finish up that text. I, I think I just got partial of John sixteen twenty one. I don't think I ever finished that up. And so I, I got a woman here expecting a baby, and she never has got through yet. So, he said, John sixteen twenty one. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour has come. <clears throat> but when she is delivered to the child, she remembers no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world, or a child is born into the world. In other words, that was the results of her pain, childbirth. In Isaiah 53 and about verse 11, he says, He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, and he shall bear their iniquities. So we see that God was satisfied, Jesus was satisfied, the Holy Spirit is satisfied. Don't you think we ought to be satisfied? (laughs) But sadly, you know, we go through life unsatisfied. As I pointed out here a few weeks ago to Bethany Church, All the commercials you see on TV is not to make you satisfied. (laughs) It's to bring in an attitude of dissatisfaction so that you aren't happy with what you got and you want what they got. Uh, No wonder the Bible tells us uh, that the love of money is the root of all evil. Uh, Anybody will do anything for money, they'll lie for money, cheat for money, uh, steal for money, kill for money, prostitute their own bodies for money. But you know, I'm glad I got a little money. But I'm not in love with it. But I know that the Bible says it can fly away like eagle's wings. It can be here today and gone tomorrow. But there's something that we have that's not here today and gone tomorrow. He is permanent. And that's our peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 27 tells us, My peace I leave unto you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. So if we have troubled hearts uh, this afternoon, why, you believe in God, believe also in me. There's peace. Peace for a troubled heart. In the fourth chapter of the book of Job, and... uh, This is a small chapter in the book of Job. But uh, he tells us who God put his trust in. Job chapter 4. I promise to try to be through by 3 o'clock. Brother Tim said if you'll shorten your sermon, somebody might go home with it. So, (laughs) well... Give them opportunity if the Lord will. In Job chapter 4, verse 17, there's a question asked. Shall mortal man be more just than God? 
Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Behold, he put no trust in his servants and his angels he charged with folly. How much less in them that dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust and which are crushed before the moth. So if he didn't put any trust in his servants and his angels he charged with folly, how much less in man, he says, whose foundation is in the dust. That's where you came from. And the Bible tells us that's where we'll return, to the dust. Uh, Whose foundation is the dust and crushed before the moth. But he did uh, put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus was faithful to that trust. The Bible tells us there in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1-2, he says... Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus the Lord, who was faithful in all his house, even as Moses was faithful in all his house. And so Jesus was faithful to his heavenly Father. And I'm thankful that he was faithful because I sure would not have been faithful. And he was faithful to him that appointed, just like Moses was faithful in all his house. And it he that builded the house, however, had more honor than the house. And he that built all things, of course, is God. So, shall a man be more pure than his maker? Sometimes we read in the obituaries. I read some just this week that she or he who had gone to meet their maker. Well, that's scriptural. He's the, he's the maker of us all. The Bible says the, the poor and the rich, he's the maker of us all. But he is especially the maker of his children. He's the one that has made us. Well, Paul put it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And he said, and the grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, yet I labored more abundantly than they all. Oh, Paul, you done started bragging now. But let's finish the text. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So it's the grace of God. And you can't get uh, too bold about bragging on the Lord. But you can get too bold about bragging on yourself. That's the biggest thing that gets in there our way most of the time is self. Uh, Brother Jonathan talked about uh, people want their own way all the time. You've heard the old expression, is his way or the highway, you know. Uh, if you don't do it my way, then uh, it's the highway. In other words, you can get out if you're not going to do it my way. Well, Frank Sinatra wrote, did a song one time called My Way. I did it my way. Well, be careful of that because the Bible tells us in Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. <laughs> So if it seems right in your own eyes, just look a little closer. As the brother taught us this morning, you know, if we think we got some unique revelation on a certain scripture, do you think that you're the only one after 2,000 years the Lord's ever showed a scripture that he hadn't showed to anybody else? No need to answer that. You can answer it in your own heart. I don't think so. I don't think the Lord's given me any 
a new revelation. Matter of fact, God is not given any new revelation. If somebody said, I had a revelation, God revealed this thing to me. You'd be suspect of him because we've got all the revelation God's going to give us. Paul got his by direct revelation, if you please. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, he says, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel preached to me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. He certifies that. You know, you can go get things certified. You got certified birth certificates. You got certified uh, uh, a driver's license, uh, a certified uh, marriage license. Uh, this is a certification. And the reason he was able to certify it is because the Lord certified it. And he received that, not a man. Oh, he was taught by Gamaliel. That's true. But this wasn't taught by Gamaliel. This was taught by direct revelation of Jesus Christ. A man's no more a pure than his maker. The Bible tells us here in the 25th chapter of the book of Job. You know, there's a lot of rich scriptures here in, uh, in Job's uh, account with his, his writings or his, his feelings and also his miserable comforters. Uh, 25th chapter of Job, verse 4, he asks a question. How then can man be justified with God? How can he be clean that's born of a woman? And the definition of pure is cleanness. Cleanness. How can man be justified? How can he be clean that's born of a woman? There's another scripture here. Get just exactly where it is also in the book of Job. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. But there has been just one, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary was unclean. Uh, Yes, she was a virgin, but she was still a sinner, therefore unclean. But she brought forth a clean thing. Matter of fact, the Bible even calls it a holy thing. That holy thing that is born of you shall be called the Son of God. Who shall bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Can man be more just? How can man be just with God? How can he be clean that is born of a woman? The answer is, with man this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Behold, even to the moon, and it shineth not. Yea, the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less man that is a worm, and the son of man which is a worm. He even told Jacob one time, you know, that he was a worm. You know, if you tell somebody that, they'd get insulted. They'd be offended. But you wouldn't have to tell them you're a worm or to be offended. Well, they can be offended by almost anything. <clears throat> That's why they had to take all the pictures off on certain uh, certain products. Uh, offensive. Well, I got news for you. I don't uh, apologize for the Word of God offending any person. Amen. But if I offend you myself, I, I certainly won't apologize. I don't want to offend anybody personally by casting reflections on them. But God... The Word of God is what it is. It's pure, by the way. He tells us that in uh, uh, Psalms uh, chapter 12, about verse 6 and 7. He says that the words of the Lord are pure words. 
as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And we still got it here in the 21st century. And I don't, if the Lord comes back where it's the 22nd century or, or whatever century it is, he says he's going to preserve his word forever. They are pure words. Yes, men wrote these words. Uh, I don't think nobody knows for sure who wrote the, the book of Job. But basically, God wrote it. Because all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Profitable for doctrine or proof. And I said we'd have no more revelations. The psalmist says, I have spoken once, yea, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Once have I spoken, twice have I heard this, He's spoken once in the canon of the Old and the New Testament. Twice have I heard this, and I believe that's talking about the Old and the New. But he's just spoken once. I just take heed to the things that he has spoken. Lest any time we should let them slip. How much less man that is a worm and the son of man which is a worm. So the words of the Lord are pure words. And... uh, the 20th chapter of the book of Proverbs. And uh, verse 9. The Bible tells us. Who can say I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. Who can say I made my heart clean? <clears throat> well, the Bible tells us over in Jeremiah seventeen nine, The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, I search the heart. I try the reins to give to every man according to the fruit of his doings. So there's only one that can know the heart. He knows the hearts of every person in this congregation this afternoon and the need of every person in this congregation uh, this afternoon and that was here uh, this morning. Uh, uh, Who can say I made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. Basically, your heart is not pure and it would never be pure. Except the Lord made it pure and clean. You know, Jesus had to come into the scene and clean up the mess that Adam made in the Garden of Eden. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So there are many shalls in the Bible. Shalls of the New Testament. And someone has said that's maybe why they call us Hard shells, but it should be hard shells. So we are hard on the shells of the Bible. Uh, uh, we believe when it says shall, it shall come to pass. <clears throat> and we can rejoice in that. Uh, hey, who can say I made my heart clean? I am pure from my sins. Nobody can say that. <clears throat> Nobody can say that. Uh, well, they could say it, but it wouldn't make it true. Uh, uh, in the 24th chapter of Matthew and 35, he says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He didn't say word, he said words. All of his words, they're pure words. They're purified seven times. I mean, you can't get any purer than what God has uh, instituted in his word. They're pure words. That's why, see, like Brother David taught us this morning to, uh, let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Hide the Word of God in your heart that you might not sin against God because it's purity. Uh, it's pure. 
Over in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They're blessed to be pure in heart. They didn't make their own heart pure or clean, but the Lord made it pure and clean. That's why he tells us over in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 and 3. I got 10 minutes, folks. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 and 3. He says, Wherefore, seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. I mean, don't just haphazardly do this. He says, love one another with a pure heart fervently. The people that are admonished to love one another have already have a pure heart. Now, how did they receive that pure heart? How can they uh, obey God? Because he says, being born again. Those that are admonished to love one another are already born of God. Being born again, not of corruptible seed but of an incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So he tells us there, they're born of an incorruptible seed. And I guarantee you, when I was born into this world, I was born of corruptible seed. That's why when we, I die, they're going to put me in the earth and it'll be sown in corruption. But it'll be raised in incorruption. But that, which is... Uh, uh, being born again is of an incorruptible seed. And that incorruptible seed is the Word of God, but it isn't this Word of God. Because Jesus said in John 5 and 39, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. So he says, It's an incorruptible seed by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever, for all flesh is grass, and the glory of man is the flower of the grass, the grass withered, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever, unless anybody mistake that for being this printed word or this preached word, he goes on to say, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. He didn't say it was the gospel, but he says this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. And Paul says, I'm determined not to know anything among you save Jesus and him crucified. So I interpret that scripture as being the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we're born again. Is by the voice of the Son of God. John 5 and 25 says the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall leave. <clears throat> you know, sometimes the dead alien sinner cannot do anything. Somebody wonders why we call use that term dead alien sinner. There's not a single verse in the Bible that says you're a dead alien sinner. But there is a verse in the Bible that says you're dead in trespasses and in sin. There is verses in the Bible that says you all sin and come short of the glory of God. And there is passages of scripture that tells us you're alienated in your mind by wicked works. So to me, that's a dead alien sin. <laughs> so he said, that's why we call it a dead alien sinner. And the Lord is the one that quickens that dead alien sinner, gives him a pure heart. And if you've ever called on the name of the Lord, which was taught this morning about salvation, what the Bible tells us in the 
chapter of Romans, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, in 2 Timothy 2.22, he writes to Timothy and said, Timothy, flee youthful rust and follow righteousness and peace and charity with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So the person there that's calling on the Lord, he's calling out of a pure heart. In other words, he's already got a pure heart. And if he wouldn't, he wouldn't be calling on the Lord. So he's got life, but he needs to call on somebody who has to help, has the ability to help. You know, if you get in trouble, you want to call somebody you know. That you got confidence that uh, they'll try to help you as best you can. Well, nobody can help like the one that you call on there, you see. Because his line is never busy. Amen. You know, I, I call some people every now and then, and I get beep, beep, beep. It means the line is busy. Well, when you call on the Lord, he's never too busy to listen to his children. Uh, he wasn't too busy when it, uh, Stephen was about to be stoned. Amen. And the Bible tells us he saw... Heaven opened, and the glory of the Lord. I don't know exactly how that was. I just know what the scripture says. He saw the glory of the Lord, and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Jesus sat down when he finished his work, went back to heaven, but here he sees him standing. And he saw the glory of God, and I think it surely made those stones a little easier to take when they stoned him to death, calling upon the Lord. Well, someone says, well, the Lord didn't save him from getting killed. No, he didn't. He didn't save him from that, but he saved him from a lot of things that he could have went dear, if he hadn't saw the glory of God. He knew where to go. And he died calling upon the name of the Lord. We've had many here that have passed away. Some of them have expressed, you know, how sweet their passing moments were. That they had a a smile come up on their face uh, that the Lord was giving that grace that they needed to uh, take that final breath and, and go on to be with the Lord. Uh, they had that peace that Jonathan talked about. They, uh, Simeon had that peace. When the Lord told him, he said, you won't die till you've seen the Lord's Christ. In Luke 2, 29. And when the Lord made that promise, he's going to be sure that it's going to be fulfilled and when he held Jesus in his arms, he was about 40 days of age at that time, I believe, because Mary couldn't have went into the temple. I met Elizabeth couldn't have went into the temple. Now Mary couldn't have went into the temple either. That was part of the law of black in Leviticus. She had to be purified for so long before she could go into the temple. A male was a certain time and a female was a different time. And the Bible tells us he held that infant in his arms and he said, Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Jesus was just as much a savior when he was born into this world and laid in the manger as he was at the cross of Calvary when he hung his head and gave up the ghost. And in between, he was as much a savior all during his life as he ever was. He was the savior of sinners. So he, we can't say we made our heart clean. We read over in the scriptures in James 
He says, Behold, brethren, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fathers and the wizards in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Here we have a definition of what pure religion is. It's not man-made religion. This is God-made religion, folks. I saw a on Matlock an episode on theirs about this man who passed away. He was rich, and uh, they was having a fight over his inheritance. And and uh, his attorney said, yeah, the old man got religion in the end and tried to buy his way into heaven. Well, you can't buy your way into heaven. <clears throat> Jesus is going to make sure you go to heaven right. if you're one of his. Right. Got religion. Well, Paul was a religious man. Do you know that? Or rather, I should say Saul was a religious man. Matter of fact, he tells us in Acts 26, 5, he says, After the most strictest sect of the Pharisees, I lived that, that way. It was the strictest sect. So evidently, there were some less restricted. He was of the strictest sect of the Pharisees. After, that's what we, he was a religious man. The Pharisees were religious. As it tells in Matthew chapter 6, they were so religious, they loved to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street that they could be seen of men. And the Bible says you, they had their reward. They got seen of men. Right. Well, <laughs> that's not my thing, folks, to be seen of men. Oh, it's true. I'm being seen up here today. <laughs> but I, you put me way down on the low totem pole. But I want to see the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want you to see me this afternoon in this pulpit. To look to the one I proclaim to you, the Savior of sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is pure. Uh, and he's the one that makes us pure. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. Just visit the, visit the fathers and the withers of their affliction and keep himself unspotted from the world. First John chapter 3, verse 7. Ten, 7, I believe it is. Turn there right quickly. This is part of religion. He says, 1 John three seventeen. He says, Whosoever hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, but shutteth up his bowels of compassion, how dwelleth the love of God in him? You see your brother have need and you shut up your bowels of compassion? Well, what had happened if Jesus had shut up his bowels of compassion? He said, I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. <clears throat> I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. So it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but God that sheweth mercy. You shut up your bowels of compassion. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And the results of that is this. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. This is the assurance of the child of God before him, that they are loved by him, that he died for them, that he has provided heaven for them. And it brings us assurance. As we sang that song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I hope that's our theme every day, you know. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. I claim him as mine this morning and this afternoon. But every person in this audience can also make that claim. 
David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That word want means I'll have no lack. And if Jesus is a shepherd, you won't lack. You may come short of what you want, but you'll not come short of what you lack. Because He's able to supply all our need, Philippians 4.19, according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I want to read a few verses in Revelations and then I'll, uh, we'll close. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> when I was growing up as a youngster, I grew up under uh, Elder J.D. Holder. I slept on the benches while he preached a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he wore these glasses, had a long nose, and he would say, as he'd make a doctrinal point, now this is just as plain as this big nose on my face. <laughs> And my sister hated it so much. Oh, not his big nose, but no. What she hated was when he would say this and then I'm through. Well, 15 minutes later, he'd be through. (laughs) And she knew when she heard that phrase, this and and then I'm through, she knew she was good for at least 10 or 15 more minutes. Well, I I promise you it's not this, and then I'm through. When I finish reading these two scriptures, I sit down. Revelation chapter 21, he talks about a city here that lieth four square. It's a building that was of jasper. The city was pure gold, lacking to clear glass. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. Now, I don't know whether there's pure gold in heaven or not, but I know it's pure. Because Jesus is there. Jesus is there. And if Jesus is there, where else would you want to be? Where Jesus is, it's a safe place to be. If Jesus is with us today, I believe he is, it's a safe place to be. A lot safer than Bright Denny Stadium. A lot safer than uh, any other uh, uh, place uh, this Saturday. As the brothers already said, we are less tempted in this environment than anywhere else. Because the Lord is there. Thank you for your good attention.